how are we going to start this one, Dan? Usually, we're very funny to begin with, so what what kind of things can we do to make them laugh at the beginning? Usually, it's quite high-octane, like, quite explosive, you know? We like to burst into their eardrums. That sounds weird, but you know what I mean? How are we going to do it? How are we going to convince them that we're really funny this time? We can say some jokes. Mm, it's going to be hard to think of jokes, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be hard. Why don't you call me an insult, and that'll probably be fine. Okay. Hey, Matt. Why'd you hurt me like that? <laughs> Welcome to Myths. I'm Matt Hoss. And I'm Dan Rhodes. Whether you know about Theseus or you're revising your syllabus. If you want tales with a bit of jest or you just want to hear about incest. What? What? It's really interesting. Welcome to Myths. Welcome to Myths. Welcome to Myths! Are you clapping because you have nothing to say? I'm clapping, I'm clapping because at the start of theatre, people clap. Do they clap? No, they don't really. <laughs> I think You're I just... an actor! How do you not know? No, because sometimes you'll be like, welcome to the stage, party bar, and then you clap them on, don't you? Yeah, you but... get clapped onto the stage. Woo! Miss Podcast, yeah! Firstly, that's Ooh, more... Sounds a bit like our belly slap. Woo! Uh, can we do a belly slap No, again? we're not doing a belly slap again. That was the weirdest thing I've ever done when we were sweaty and hot and we belly slapped. <laughs> you ate 12 Weetabix on this podcast. How dare you say that's the weirdest thing that you've done? Uh, you know, um, and also, like, people applaud when people are wanting to say stand up. But what I hate, I went to. What happened with. Uh, I went to, to New York and I saw um, Patrick Stewart and uh, Ian McCullen doing uh, Waiting for Godot. Okay, yeah. It was amazing. It was great. Got the signatures afterwards, and it's genuinely one of the most awkward things in my life. Uh, but we'll get to that in a sec. But, uh, like, they when they the stars were on stage, obviously they're stars, and people, like, whoop and cheer, like, woo, yeah, woo. It's like, it's supposed to be theatre. Come on, mate. Come on, don't, don't, like, it's weird, right? That's not very British, is it? No, that's true. That's true. But, uh, <laughs> oh, God, I, I remember I got the signatures from Patrick Stewart and Amy McCallum, which is amazing, yeah. right? I waited outside the stage doors and stuff like that, and, um, and I was like, uh, I can't remember what I said exactly, but it was along the lines of, uh, Hey, uh, hey, uh, is is Waiting for Godot a prequel to The Hobbit? <laughs> and they're like, oh no. <laughs> and, oh, that's awkward. And uh, uh, I was like, more like Waiting for Frodo, am I right? And they were like, get out, you've had your autograph. <laughs> I can't remember what I said exactly, but I saw my Facebook, because I put on my Facebook sometimes, and it was genuinely, like, they were like good heart about it, but they obviously like, we don't know what this kid's say. <laughs> Ah! By kid, I mean I was 20 years old at this point. <laughs> That's funny. That's uh, funny. Uh, anyway, uh, talk about awkward moments. Dan, do you want to hear something I did recently? Oh my good god. Is this gonna, is this incriminating in any way? Uh, no, but it's it's Matt Hoss level of awkward. Okay, go on then. Okay, so uh, I did a gig in Whitstable recently. It was a big gig uh, with Andrew O'Neill. I'm going to pretend like I know who that is. It's a big rock comedian, um, and he was doing his show. Really funny. I was running the event, so I could have a couple of drinks throughout it as well. My friends were there. Um, people who are staying with uh, Luke and Susie, mm-hmm. and they had their friends, uh, Rob and Gemma. What is it? There's like four friends from that house. <laughs> it's like more than... That's four 400% increase. <laughs> um, but with... Um, 
Uh, so Rob and Gemma were also there, and they're their brother and sister, right? And they're all we're all good friends with each other. Uh, but I, I don't really know Rob and Gemma that well. Okay. Uh, uh, but you know, very friendly with them. Uh, and we um, we had a really good night. We decided to have drinks back at the flat for a bit. And Dan, I don't want to brag, but I was on top form. Okay. Like, jokes busting them out, big laugh. Banter, banter, banter. Yeah, laughter, I, laughter, laughter. Yeah, yeah, like you know, imagine me at a comedy gig, but you know. With laughter. Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so I, uh, I was, you know, it was a really good night, and uh, we were all laughing and joking, on, and it got quite towards the end of the night, and um, and then they were thinking, uh, Rob and Gemma were thinking about going back to their flat because uh, uh, they don't live together, but they live in the same area, and uh, Gemma was uh, uh, there was this boy who was interested, and bear in mind it was one o'clock in the morning. Uh, you kind of see if a boy's asking to pick up a lady at that time of night, it's. It, we were discussing the semantics of that. Okay, okay. It's like, what, what does that, what does that convulse? Yeah, you know, it's because like he wants it, to get her home safely. That is one of the options, uh, but uh, so you can have sex with her. That is one of the other options. Well, we, we were discussing: does he? Does he not? And uh, and that's by the by. Uh, and but she liked him. Yeah, I think that they were into each other. Okay. But but like, obviously, it was a bit rude to kind of discuss her like her relationship life. But it was in the good nature of the conversation, sure. and. Uh, and, to cut, and we were being quite rude about it, and I felt felt a little bit bad because we were just. And, but Gemma was all uh, laughing and joking along, and what happened uh, is that Susie said, "Oh, we should you should bring this guy over here, and then you know we can kind of give him a little bit of ribbing, you know." And I said, "Yeah, and we were like, hey, are you gonna fuck her?" <laughs> yeah, you laughed. They did not. I, and bear in mind, I was in good set all night. I thought I'd been rocking it, and uh, so clearly I misjudged that boy. <laughs> Because Rob was like, I don't hear about my sister having sex. And I was like, oh god. And Susie looked at me with genuine hatred. And and then the boys started laughing because of the awkwardness of the situation. And I was like, at least I got some pity laughs. Pity laughs are fine at this point. And uh, it's so weird to go from like, yo, Matt, you're so funny. What the fuck did you say, Matt? <laughs> it was such a. And I was like, hmm, I've gone past the point here. Like, uh, I hit the very awkward moment. But yeah. And then I, I think that's a funny joke. Yeah, I did too, but not. It's quite clear that I've made a joke, so I had to kind of apologise. It was quite rude. So I was like, yeah, I do, do, do apologise. And she, she was absolutely fine with it. I was like, oh. Like, the next day, I was so shameful, if you know what I mean. I thought about that all day, if you know what I mean. Like, I just, the moment was like, well, fuck you. Total <laughs> silence, man. Oh, it's a hot, burning shame. That's how Matt lost. Uh, if you think I'm anything more, if you think like if oh Matt Hoss is really good, he lives a high life. I don't. I am amongst the, the cretinous you. You know, uh, yeah. I I am so absolutely awkward and awful. Like, but then again, this is great because it it's like my comedy and one. Like, I, my life has to be miserable for me to be <laughs> good on stage. You know what I mean? <laughs> this podcast is a success because I you know have gay existential crisis all the time. <laughs> And admit to things like this. Yeah, right. But I like it because, like, what I like, I love being honest on this podcast as well. Like, uh, not always honest because I can't, you know, people listen to it. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Can't bitch about people. But Yeah, that's true. Noah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. I love you, Noah. Uh, okay, so, uh, why don't, um, before we go on, we've actually had some correspondence recently, Dan. Put that episode 4 trumpet down. We Sorry. let it out for uh, episode 50 for that like, one time, but you don't put it, put it back, Dan. Sorry. Right. Correspondence, uh, as in a uh, letter through the post. Yes, uh, a letter It arrived the post. by Owl. Uh, it actually arrived um, for a virtual owl. For a virtual owl. <laughs> In email. Uh, and a we tweet? Got... No, it's oh. email. As, 
<laughs> oh, uh, sorry, that's a joke. I, I didn't realise you were doing the Thank joke you. there. Thank you. I'm so not used to you doing jokes. Okay. What was the email? Uh, essentially, um, it's tailored around you, Dan. Okay, no response. Okay, fine. What? Uh, no, I'm trying to think of who it could be. Now, oh, well, you don't. You want, Have no. I got an admirer? What? Have I got an admirer? Not quite. It's the opposite of admirer. Someone thinks I'm terrible and that it should just be your podcast. Well, yeah, that's my opinion. Barack <laughs> <laughs> um, Obama emailed us in. Let me say that. Okay. Uh, what was quite a slick segue? You really sampled <laughs> all over. Uh, uh, so uh, we got an email saying, asking, "Hey, Dan, do you work?" At a Belgian bar. Now, because uh, uh, one of my friends, uh, a, f- a fan of the podcast, uh, they uh, they were at this Belgian bar in London and they heard a very similar voice. And it was a man behind the bar who looked and spoke like you. So, Dan, do you work in a Belgian bar? Drum roll, please. No. I did tell him no. <laughs> but who no, is this imposter? This imposter think, hey, I can milk Miss Fame for all it's worth, you know. Like, oh, those boys must be rolling in it. Have you seen their Patreon page, which no one has donated to yet? <laughs> I a mean, Belgian like, bar? Someone's imposter. Like Belgian fruit beers and stuff like that. Yeah, kind of mm. like a fancy yeah. bar. I've worked in the bar of every other national nationality, <laughs> but never a Belgian bar. The Kenyan bar's a hoot. Yeah, I nearly choked on a Belgian bar when I was 10 years old, and I haven't forgiven them. Really? Also went to Brussels, and it was shit. Actually, Brussels is quite nice, to be fair. I'll take that back. The chocolates are nice. Guillaume. I like Guillaume chocolates. Very delicious. I'm not sure if I included this, but when I was at Dan's a couple of weeks ago, um, I uh, Dan had some Guillaume chocolates, obviously Belgian chocolates, yep. and it says artisanal, uh, artisanal good chocolates. Yeah. And throughout the recording during that day, I used to just put my finger over the artisan bit uh, so it looked like anal good chocolate. <laughs> and Dan didn't pick up on it. <laughs> And he didn't laugh when I told him about it either. <laughs> oh, you kept doing it. I was like, why do you keep touching that box of chocolates, you weirdo? It's because he was suddenly trying to see that I could see that it says anal chocolates. <laughs> so immature. Uh, but no, I don't work in a Belgian bar. Do you have aspirations to work in a Belgian bar? Uh, Drumroll, please. No. No, I don't, no. But, uh, you know... No, um, I don't. I want to meet this guy, though. I might have a yeah. doppelganger. Yeah, if... Do you reckon I have a do- what? N- Nick Frost? <laughs> yeah, Nick Frost is your doppelganger. Uh, maybe, uh, yeah, maybe who is this over Dan Rose? Yeah, who's this? Dan Rose 2.0. Maybe it's your long lost brother. My long lost twin brother, yeah. Maybe he's more successful than us. Probably. Probably. Because nothing says success like working behind a Belgian bar. No, I'm, uh, I'm really, I really need to find this guy though, please. If you are more... this person, if you, if work, you are this person, if you work in a Belgian bar, please email us at mistpodcast at gmail.com and you can. We'll Just find... with the subject heading, I think I might be down roads. Yeah. <laughs> Am I down Am roads? Am I down roads? Uh, also, we. Uh... We can make an incredible documentary of this, like a Netflix documentary about finding down roads. Oh. But we, it turns out uh, that that's what you're just about finding who you are. Inside. Who I am, yeah, inside. We never found the guy that worked in the Belgian bar, but I sure found uh, something else. I'll do an American accent for the podcast, or for the Netflix, obviously. Can we do the whole of this myth in an American accents? We can do, but how many people will actually continue to listen to it? Just us two, I imagine. Anyway, we've got a big one today, haven't we, Matt? Oh, humdinger. <coughs> oh, baby, it's a big one. And we'll tell you more after this jingle. <laughs> Boom! Ah, ah, I hurt myself because that jingle hit me so hard in the fields. 
Nice. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, we are proud to announce the first of the Odyssey Saga. Woo! Ah, oh, genuinely, this is my... Uh, I Stop it. Uh, stop clapping. Stop. I'll tickle you. Okay, so... This is welcome to the Odyssey Saga. Out of context, that is going to sound creepy. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> uh, so, even in context, it's kind of creepy. Uh, so, I'm gonna tickle you. Oh, funny. Welcome to the Odyssey Saga. What it means is that we're going to, for the next uh, string of episodes, we don't know how much, how long it's going to be, uh, but for the next, uh, at least for five episodes, we're going to be uh, probably a lot more. Uh, we're going to be looking at the Odyssey and everything yeah. that entails, uh, and. We're going to try and do it as not as swift as possible, but we don't want it to drag on. Uh, uh, admitting that we don't know how many episodes this is going to take is already giving away... It's, we're missing the illusion that we're super professional we plan every week and we plan out? months and months ahead. Yeah, but like, I think if you've listened to 52 episodes at this point, I don't think like, wow, these guys are professional, wow. Wow, these guys must plan so far in advance. I mean, Matt couldn't even speak last week. <laughs> But they really pan ahead, yeah. <laughs> that Atlas trap where you couldn't think of a single rhyme was perfect. Wow. You must really think about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, the Odyssey this is going to be exciting. Uh, yeah, and uh, it's my favourite myth of all time. And uh, to kind of give a very quick summary of it, essentially um, it's uh, 20 years after the start of the Trojan War. The cunning Odysseus is trying We've to... We've met Odysseus in a few times. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Odysseus is trying to find his way home to Ithaca. That's the basis of it. And throughout this course of, of uh, the next couple of weeks and maybe months, uh, we're going to be looking at the story of Odysseus mm. and uh, how he gets home uh, and what happens yeah. as well. Because there wasn't any sat-nav or Google Maps back then. You had to use a real map and they're really confusing. So you can see why it took him so long to find where he was going. <laughs> if, he, if only he had a gene boat Both specialist, specialist yeah. Yeah, he would have been home <laughs> in, a, in a jiffy. Uh, but yeah, so he spent 10 years at sea uh, uh, trying to get back. And the whole point of it is about homecoming. That's the whole point. But lots uh, of things happen to him along the way. Yes. And uh, as I say, there's a lot of stories that happen to it. And this is obviously uh, the first part was the Iliad, which we kind of covered with the Troy series. And now Odyssey is part two, really. It's, it's, it's not really connected, but it's kind of like in the same series, if you know what I mean. Mm. And uh, yeah, the, uh, it's written, well, created by Homer. Uh, and it was originally like a spoken word epic poem. So... Yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I do. Uh, there's loads of... it's uh, In the book, it's 24 books long, and that's about a like, big 24 chapters. So there's a lot of content to happen, but uh, we'll try and... In, in the first section, we're going to be looking uh, in the first four books. In this episode, we're going to look at something called the Telemica. And Telemica is... it's. I'll be honest, the, the first four books of the Odyssey are quite boring because uh, what happens it's a nice build we don't actually see Odysseus until book five right okay. so in the first four books it's kind of like a build up you know okay I mean? so the first four episodes of myths uh, no <laughs> it's like it's like watching I don't know like uh, it's like watching a TV program where you don't see the, the hero until the, the fifth Episode. Okay. Uh, it's like watching Gotham before you watch Batman. Okay. I, I was going to do a sports reference, but I don't know it. Like watching, like no. Go on, try try a sports reference. Okay. When you're about to watch a live football game, okay. and you have to wait, you know the bit with the commentator, commentator, and all like kind of uh, they're, they're doing they're standing in the lines and singing the national anthems and stuff like that. Yep. It's like watching that bit. It's like the boring bit, and then you watch the football, football game. game. Okay. Is that good? I, I I get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Perfect, was it? No, but it will do. It will suffice. Matt Hoss did a sports reference. Matt Hoss did do a sports reference, though. Oh, oh, I bet that's like Jordan, you know, the basketball player. 
Michael Jordan. Nailed it. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, this is uh, the book one to four of uh, the Odyssey, and it's about Odysseus' son, Telemachus. So, at the very start of the book, the narrator, Homer, calls upon the muse to help him tell the story of Odysseus. And as I mentioned, we pick up ten years after the fall of Troy, uh, twenty years after the original start of it, and he's trying to return home. However, as I mentioned, he's not actually... A, uh, we're not going to focus on him, but he's actually uh, cast aside on the island of Ogygia, and he's been there for the last eight years as a captive of the beautiful goddess Calypso. But... We'll get onto that point next week. So, uh, so he's uh, Odysseus is on the island trapped, and uh, Zeus has sent Hermes to send, uh, essentially, go and figure out the problem. But that's by the by. That's we this don't... is already like a movie. Like we've started off with him already on the island, yeah. straight to the action. We don't know how he got there. He's just on an island. I say straight to the action, but we're going to spend the next about twenty minutes differing. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so there's um, Hermes is being sent by Zeus to uh, set him free because he's been okay. there for eight years. However, we don't need to focus on that for the time being. We'll focus. We'll talk more about that next week. Okay. But back on. Uh, let's go back to uh, to Ithaca, where there's problems brewing. In a disguise as an old friend of Odysseus, Athena, the goddess, travels to his manor in Ithaca, and is overrun by noisy, lustful suitors intent on marrying Odysseus's wife, Penelope. So, so Ithaca is where Odysseus is trying to get to. That's his home. He's been away for 20 years. Yeah, he's the king of uh, Ithaca, but he's been gone for 20, 20 years. years. A lot's uh, happened. And uh, when he left, uh, his son was just... Uh, uh, just uh, 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 it was brewing in her mum's stomach, if you know. Yes. That was the yeah. worst way to say pregnant. <laughs> wow, that was creepy. <laughs> brewing in his mum's stomach. That's not even correct, is it? Oh, God. <laughs> Sounds like a fart. <laughs> <laughs> She's brewing her husband in her belly. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, so, um, so Athena has disguised herself. Yeah, because she's like, oh, there's something bad happening here. So she's come to come find out the source mm. of problem and help it. Because uh, just to kind of give some oversight, um, the gods are for and against Odysseus. Poseidon, yeah, the god of the sea, hates uh, Odysseus and is trying to stop him from getting home at all costs. Athena, however is on his side and always tries to help him. And so he has a lot of divine intervention to help him along the way. Okay. But as, we'll talk about that more in more detail soon. Um, so, after since Odysseus has been gone for 20 years, in the last couple, well, the last 10 years or so, uh, after the fall of Troy, everyone assumes Odysseus is dead. He hasn't returned home for 10 years. You know, Everyone else has returned home, but he hasn't. So everyone assumes that he's dead. But Penelope, the queen of Ithaca... Yeah, because they're like, the treasure one was a while ago, and he hasn't come back, so he's obviously dead. But still, Penelope's still holding out faith, but it's been ten years now. So uh, the people of Ithaca, uh, all the men are like, well, hey, I could be king of Ithaca, you know, so maybe I should do that. Mm. So all these suitors go up to the palace, and they're they're trying to call Penelope as much as possible. Because dramatic irony is we know he's on his shipwreck on Ireland. Yeah, he's still trying to get home. But no one else knows that. Of course, there's no mobile phones or set in those days. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that's why people are trying to call uh, Penelope. Yeah, yeah. But I think there's... I'll tell you this now, because I think it, it might appear later on, but I might as well tell you this now. Penelope doesn't want to marry any of these people whatsoever. So she's locked away in, in her room, and she says that, oh, I've got to finish off... Uh, basically, she has this project. She's create, um, She has this loom in her room, and... She's trying to create a massive like tapestry or quilt. Because once I finish this tapestry or quilt, I can choose a husband. 
However, since she doesn't want to choose this, she keeps on breaking the loom, and so she, oh, I can't can't finish it, you know. Oh, uh, so, okay. So she's trying her best stall to stall the suitors, yeah, because she's the thing that Odysseus is alive somewhere. Well, she has an inkling, but she can't ever know. No. And uh, but it's been ten years, and you know she she's getting quite a lot of pressure. But so all these suitors around the house in in their manor house, and they're getting drunk there all the time, and they're they're, they're partying, and so they're taking over the manor, and it's kind of gone to madness. And it's, uh, but Telemachus still lives there. Odysseus' the son, and he's kind of picking the pieces. Okay. So Odysseus' son, Telemachus, unhappy amongst the suitors, greets Athena warmly as a stranger, because uh, she doesn't know who uh, he doesn't know who she is, yeah. just an old friend, and invites her to the feast. As the suitors devour Odysseus' oxen. Telemachus says he believes his father, whom he does not know at all, is dead. Athena introduces herself as Odysseus's old friend, Mentes, and predicts that he will soon be home. Telemachus doesn't hold out any hope, however, and he and his mother remain helpless against the arrogant suitors. Athena instructs him to call an assembly of the islanders and order the suitors away. Then he must sail away to find news of his father at Pylos and Sparta. After this, he must kill the suitors, like Orestes in the Oresteia. Yeah. He, uh, if you remember, um, like Orestes killed his mum Clytemnestra and cleansed the, uh, the 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 dirt from his house. Yeah. This happened about ten years ago as well. Yeah. Uh, so I say it's all part of the same series as well. Inspired by this, Telemachus thanks uh, this kind stranger for her advice, and then she leaves. So, just a, uh, a couple of things to mention here. As I mentioned in the past, we talked about hospitality rights. Yeah. Uh, Xenia, it's called. You have uh, to invite someone into your home. Being, being kind and courteous. And this kind of demonstrates a good person. Okay? Uh, uh, so, Telemachus is very noble and very lovely. So, this stranger comes to the door, invites him in, gives him food and warmth, and it turns out that they're there to help them, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But it means that... He, he he's very courteous in hospitality, and that means he's very pious and he's, he's a good person. Yeah. Late, do try and spoil it later on when it's people. Uh, we'll see with Calypso. They aren't that courteous. They do some good things, but not always very courteous as house guests, and that's quite impious. And those are normally quite bad people. So uh, and it basically see how uh, how people tr- treat strangers in, in the entirety of this myth. If you know what I mean, mm. I realise I'm not as funny this episode because I'm nerding out quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll do more fanny jokes later on. Don't worry. <laughs> so I'll, every now and then I'll I'll chuck in a joke just to yeah. I'd be like, oh, 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 sex. Uh, the beautiful Penelope joins the suitors and asks the minstrel to stop singing the songs of homecoming of the uh, Greeks after the Trojan War, as it reminds her of her husband's absence. Which you know, like bear in mind, like that's actually quite. Yeah, so he's in the he's in the hallway of the house. Everyone got successfully home from the Trojan War. It was a huge success. Nobody died. Oh, she's, she's standing, standing right there. there, and her husband might be dead. <laughs> Whoopsie Daisy. I mean, not everyone survived. One person may have died. It's your husband. I'll make my way out of the house. <laughs> Thank God you're not a minstrel. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe they prepared that song for us. Wow, oh my god, like you need to doubt the strap. Then he wrote that song. Amazing, they did it in advance. That's the voice of the person who believes that the yeah. show is slick. But Telemachus reminds her that many did not return from the war. She sadly returns to her room and weeps for Odysseus. Telemachus tells the suitors that at daybreak he will call an assembly and banish them from this estate. 
Two of the suitors ask about the identity of the, the man Telemachus was speaking to, because uh, they thought he was just a bit suspicious. Even though Telemachus didn't know the identity, he knew that the person was immortal, but he just dismisses it as a family friend. Anyway, let's end the book one, and we're going to go... Wow, can you imagine all that being in one book? Good God. That's it's like a chapter, though. Just, oh, it's more of a chapter, yeah. okay, I was going to say. But it's just like, yeah, it's just a way it was different back then. But, guys, get ready for some uh, uh, oral uh, oral epic poetry uh, history right here. Because, like, uh, this would, um, th- this epic poetry would be learned off by heart and spoken out loud to audiences. It's not supposed to be written down, if you know what I mean. It was passed long- down through generations by speaking it. So these books uh, are probably, like, released episodically, if you know what I mean. So you learn the story of Odysseus through different parts. Okay, know. yes. So that's oral history. Like, it's an oral poem. So think of it like that, if you know what I mean. It's like um, episodes of a TV series. Yeah, but like kind of like yeah, more segmented, if you know what I mean. But with um, if you ever look at the actual text, there'll be certain words. Because like, it's also fit to a, um, a 10 beats per bar. So it's uh, the way that it's translated, there's a lot of stock phrases. And uh, it's supposed the way, in Greek, it's supposed, it hits like lots of... It's supposed to be ten beats for every word. It hits a pentameter. If you know okay, I mean. yeah. so it's really cleverly done as well. And then, oh god, I love facts. But uh, also to do with translations as well. Like uh, I find that deeply fascinating because like they're trying to reflect what's happening uh, true to the words, but also trying to reflect the story in the best, in the most colloquial way as possible. Yeah. As well. There's, uh, it depends on how, what translation you're looking at as well. Yeah, so it's not like really confusing for us to read. Yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. And it's also I think it's reflecting of the times where. It, with when it's been translated at, if you know what I mean. Anyway, tell us about book two, Dan. At daybreak, Telemachus calls an assembly of the suitors and other islanders. He tells them that the suitors' disgraceful behaviour and angrily tries to shame them into leaving. So he's like, you guys have been terrible to my mum, you've been ransacking our manor house. You've been eating all our food, food for the last get ten out. years. Come on, man. But... Antinuous. Antinuous, but Antinuous puts the blame on Penelope, who has been teasing and deceiving the suitors for years. Because when she promised to marry after she wove a shroud for her dead husband's father, Laertes. Does that make any sense to you? I'm really sorry. Let me me clarify. Yeah, yeah, can you just sum this up? I can't read that. That sentence makes no fucking sense. Antinuous is blaming Penelope, saying, like, well, it's her fault, uh, because, you know, she's teasing us, you know. Like, if she would pick a suitor, the rest of us would go home by now. But she's, uh, as I mentioned earlier, she created a loom, uh, she's creating a shroud for. Yes, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. and then she keeps breaking it. Yeah, yeah. uh, and she, uh, but back, just to clarify, Laertes isn't dead. Laertes is still alive. That's uh, Odysseus' far- mm. uh, father. Uh, but he's created a, uh, a shroud for him for the dead husband. Yeah. The cunning Penelope unwove each day's progress at night for three years. Her trick was eventually discovered, and she had to finish the shroud. And Tenuous. Antinous, one of the suitors, gives Telemachus a choice: evict his mother or make her marry one of them. Telemachus rejects his offer, telling the suitors to leave and begging aid from Zeus. Okay, so just to let you know, Antinous is the worst suitor. He's the leader of them, and he's the most vile, horrible one. And he's like, just pick one, you wench. That, that's the voice. Um, and, uh, yeah, very much, uh, yeah, he's very much the alt-right of these guys. Like, well, it's her fault. He's kind of victim-blaming her. Yeah. Like, if she would, like, obviously wouldn't just eat your house all day if we, you know, if you just married one of us. So he's kind of putting pressure on, uh, and, like, there's a growing... L- like a desire for uh, there's a lot of pressure for her to pick someone. Zeus quickly sends down two eagles to attack the suitors. Brian the Eagle was one of them. Yeah, can I do a job? An omen of death, but the suitors deny the sign and insist things will remain as they are. 
They have been waiting too long for the prize of Penelope. Telemachus changed his tract, requesting a ship and crew for him to find news of his father at Pylos and Sparta. So that's like Athena told him to do. Yeah, yeah. If he finds out he is dead, he will allow his mother to remarry. Before the assembly breaks, it is decreed that Odysseus's old friend, mentor, and Halitherses... It's actually Halitherses. Halitherses will help him obtain the ship and crew. So, Telemus' mission in these books is to find out whether his uh, father is dead, dead or alive. Or okay. If he's dead, let her remarry. Marry. If then... he's alive, then bring him back and... Very yeah. Telemus calls upon the god who helped him yesterday. Athena returns to him in the form of mentor, praises his abilities derived from his father, and assures him that his voyage will be successful. She promises to find him a ship and crew and help him sail, and tells him to get provisions ready at home there and turn I can never say this guy Antinous tries to make amends and offers to help him get a ship and crew but Telemachus coldly rejects him the suitors mock him while he readies himself for the trip careful not to let his mother know about his plans so that guy's like I'll come with you and then he's like nah mate I'm not an idiot well I think he wants him he, he wants to give him a ship so he can have the house to himself. Yes, yeah. Meanwhile, Athena walks around town disguised as Telemachus, inviting men to meet up at nightfall at a ship she has borrowed. Stash stolen. At night, Athena makes the suitors fall asleep and, in the form of mentor, informs Telemachus of the arrival of his crew. She leads him to his ship. His crew packs up their provisions and they disembark with Athena on board. They drink to the gods and especially Athena. Um, oh, she's been a busy little bee, isn't she? Yeah, but... Uh, just to clarify, uh, we've had loads of myths about gods being awful, but mostly Zeus. But like, this is a example of Athena being such a lovely, and that this is what gods are meant to be like, yeah. and helping these people through. Although she does help these guys a lot, um, like more so than any other god does. If you know what I mean. So Athena is re- like one of the most lovely gods there is. Yeah. If you know what I mean. And she she wants to help as much as possible. She well, she's like the goddess of justice, so she really wants to kind of make sure everything works out for people, you know what I mean? Yes, yeah. So, Telemachus and his crew arrive at Pylos, this is book three, by the way, where a sacrifice to Poseidon of lots of bulls is taking place. Athena encourages the shy Telemachus to seek out old Nestor. Now, do you remember Nestor? I do recognise the name, yeah. To be honest, I forgot about Nestor. I can't remember what his um, role is, but he was to do with... Uh, Nestor was... Um... Should we Google him quickly? Nestor is the wise king of Polis, described in Homer's Odyssey... Polis. Pylos. Pylos. Pyl- that place he's at. Yeah, okay. It's the king of Pylos. We never, I don't think we come across I him. Think, I think he appeared in the um, Iliad at some point. Uh, he and his men are invited to the feast and pay tribute to Poseidon. Athena prays to Poseidon for the success of their mission. And remember that Odysseus um, has a vent. Well, uh, Poseidon has it out for Odysseus, so appeasing Poseidon is a good thing to do. Yeah. After they eat, Telemachus tells Nestor. And Nestor is a person who fought alongside uh, and was a great friend of Odysseus during the Trojan War. Uh, that Telemachus is looking for information about his father. Nestor does not know what befell Odysseus. After Troy fell, Athena provoked a fight between the brothers Menelaus and Agamemnon and divided their king camp into two. Those in the command of the former, Menelaus, uh, uh, left, whilst those who stayed under Agamemnon's control stayed. Odysseus left, but he and his crew soon returned to please Agamemnon. Nestor and his crew made it back home, as did a few other groups, but many did not. Telemachus laments in his situation with the suitors, and Nestor suggests that Odysseus may return, or perhaps Athena will help him, as she used to do with his father. 
which is a sly nod to what's happening. Now, yeah. Telemachus does not believe that the gods will aid him, and even if they did, it would be to no avail. Athena, obviously, disagrees. Telemachus asks Nestor how Agisthus managed to kill Agamemnon, and Agisthus was Clytemnestra's uh, boy toy. Boy toy, yeah, yeah. And do you remember how, uh, how we killed her? Him? In the bathtub, right? Bathtub, with yeah. a, uh, they trapped him in a net and stabbed him to yeah. death. Nestor says that while Agamemnon and Menelaus were always fighting, Aegisthus eventually went over Clytemnestra, Agamemnon's queen. He ruled over Agamemnon's kingdom as a tyrant for seven years before Orestes killed him and Clytemnestra. Which we also remember happening, yeah. In which episode? That is in episode The Oresteia. <laughs> At 36 and 37. God, where would you be without me, Dan? <laughs> we're modern. Uh, Nestor warns Telemachus not to make the same mistake and stay away from home from too long. He urges him to find Menelaus for more news and offers to provide him with horses, a chariot, and his sons for company. <laughs> like, uh, oh yeah, just to help you out, um, I've got um, a chariot. Oh, thank you, and get there faster. I've got, um, uh, I've got some horses so I can drive the chariot. Oh, that's really good, really helpful. Got my, my sons to keep you company. Thanks. I mean, <laughs> that's not, not, not necessary. Like, uh, uh, Athena praises this idea and then disappears as a seahawk. Not an eagle, because Brian's got that domain. The men are stunned, and the proof that the gods are on Telemachus' side inspires Nestor's, who pledges a sacrifice to Athena. In the morning, he and his sons make the sacrifice of a golden-horned heifer, and his son, Pestritos, accompanies Telemachus in a chariot. They arrive at Ferrari at night and then capture Lake Damon by the next day. And they eventually arrive in Sparta. And which uh, hap- and then book four happens. Telemachus and... How are we saying that guy's name? Uh, pistachio. <laughs> it doesn't look like that, actually. Pestritus. Uh, do you want to spell it out, Dan? P-E-I-S-I-S-T-R-A-T-O-S. I think it's Pestritus. Pestritus. It does sound like a skin condition, yeah. doesn't it? Telemachus and Pestritus arrive at Menelaus, opulent mansion. Oh, sorry. Telemachus and Pestritus arrive at Menelaus's opulent mansion in Lake Diamond. Obviously, Menelaus is Agamemnon's brother, but, yeah. and uh, he, uh, he he was... Uh, the wife of Helen, uh, the husband of Helen, who got captured, is the whole reason it started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Menelaus welcomes them to the double wedding feast taking place for both his son and daughter. After the travellers... I hope his son and daughter are marrying separate people at the same time, <laughs> as opposed to each other. It's really weird. After the travellers are bathed and fed, Menelaus tells them of his grief for his mates who died at Troy, especially Odysseus. Helen, wife of Menelaus, emerges from her chamber and says their visitor must be Telemachus. Pestritus confirms this and says that Nestor sent them for help from Menelaus. Menelaus gives a moving speech about his feelings for Odysseus, inspiring tears in them all. Pestritus is particularly affected, remembering his brother Antilochus, Antilochus. who basically his brother died at Troy. (laughs) Helen puts a magical libation in the wine bowl that prevents the drinker from crying that day. I obviously drank that, and there's never... Yeah, you, that's your water. Yeah. She encourages everyone to cheer up, and tells a story about Odysseus disguising himself as a beggar during the war. And then Alice recounts the famous anecdote of how Odysseus hid himself and his men inside the wooden horse to invade Troy. Everyone retires to bed. Okay. So they're telling great stories, like they think he might be dead, and they're just telling great stories. Oh, yeah. let's all talk about Odysseus, and yeah, uh, yeah. they're all friends of his. Almost like a funeral, it's like, we don't know where he is, but hopefully, we, we all love him a lot. Yeah. Uh, but also, we find out what happens to Helen, uh, after all that fuffle and uh She's back with Menelaus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she lives in, the, uh, in Sparta now, yeah. which is, uh, 
you know, after a horrible life she's had, at least she has some stability. I mean, she didn't get to choose a husband, but at least it's better than nothing, you know? Yeah, that's true, that's true. So, yeah, they tell stories of um, of war stories, and everyone is feeling a bit teary-eyed. What happens next, Dan? The next morning, Telemachus tells Menelaus about his problems with the suitors and asks if he has news of Odysseus. The king is indignant at the behaviour of the suitors and hopes Odysseus can mete out their punishment. He tells of how, on his return from Troy, his men were stranded on an island without any wind. They managed to capture Proteus, the Ancient of the Sea. Fair enough. Proteus told them that if they made a sacrifice to the gods, they could continue home. He also told him about Agamemnon's murder and that Odysseus is a prisoner on Calypso's island. Okay, so... So uh, now they all know that Odysseus... Is well, alive. He's a... Well, they didn't necessarily... See, oh, no, he's alive, yeah. That, oh, he's, he's a prisoner. A, he's a prisoner. Telemachus and Pistritus return to Pylos to sail to, for Ithaca. Oh, hold on. Uh, there's a lot to talk about in that other bit. Sorry. Uh, uh, so we know a lot here. So uh, you know we've talked about Aeolus recently. Yeah, uh, the god of the sea, the wind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's... It, basically, this, this is alluding to stuff that's going to happen in the future, the stories we're going to hear. From Odysseus, but also uh, it also mentions. It doesn't say Aeolus. It's a guy called Proteus. But it's on the same. Basically, it, it, it on the same island. Okay. You know what I mean? Telemachus and so it, bottom line is they know he's alive on yes, an island. That's yeah. the main thing. Which is great news. It is. Telemachus and Pistritus return to Pl- Pylos to South Ithaca. Meanwhile, in Ithaca, the suitors find out about Telemachus's journey to Pylos and plan to ambush him on his way home. Penelope learns of their plans and Telemachus's journey and grieves. She calls for help from Athena, who visits her in a dream as Penelope's sister. She ensures Penelope she will protect Telemachus, though she cannot tell her anything about Odysseus. Thus ends book four. Wow, and um, that's where we're going to uh, draw the line for today's myth. Uh, this is um, that was the end of Telemachus. So we've had four books of like kind of this. Like this growing concern and kind of the, what the state is like in Ithaca. What's the vibe? And uh, we kind of see the cruel nature of the suitors and stuff like that and also how Penelope's feeling and all that. Everything's running amok on Ithaca without yeah. Odysseus. So in the first four books of the Odyssey, there's no Odysseus, which is, uh, I think it's quite a bold move. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Imagine having a movie. Uh, it's very movie-like, though, in yeah. the sense that it kind of is... You, the first scene would be Odysseus washed up on a beach yeah. or something and then it would... Go to, like, present-day Ithaca, yeah, where everything's yeah. going mental. Yeah. And, and dramatic irony is the whole time during this whole episode, we would know what has happened to it. All right, so, um, let's rank this, mother. Welcome to the Odyssey, where we meet a man stranded at sea, searching for home with varying success. Why didn't he just book a National Express? Okay, listener, so we just heard the Telemachus. So after this, we don't really focus on Telemachus for a while. So uh, we hear the stories of Odysseus getting back home. But we'll get, uh, as I say, we'll... So it's going to chop and change between present-day Ithaca, people trying to find Odysseus, and what's happening to Odysseus himself. Uh, no, well, it's essentially, the reason why we did all these four in one section is because um, we, we see the present of Ithaca, but we won't... From now on, we see Odysseus' plight. We follow him all the way to the very end. But um, you know, a lot happens in the stories. But basically, in in the later myths, he has essentially an elongated flashback uh, to all his myths. Uh, uh, but yeah, um, so we follow Odysseus from now on. But we eventually 
the, he eventually returns home and stuff happens. Yeah. Uh, so, um, let's, uh, so I'll say, it's a bit of a weird start to the saga. Not quite action-prone or anything like that. And, but then again, I think that all good starts need, like, a, you know, introduction to it. Mm. And I think it's a nice introduction. So, Dan, let's talk about life skills. What uh, practical things did we learn in this myth? We learned that how to disguise ourselves? How to disguise ourselves a lot. How to be hospitality. We learned how to make a shroud. Yes, and how to break stuff. How to break stuff. How to be hospitality-based. Uh, uh, hospitable, yeah. yeah how, to be, uh, how to sail to places. Yeah, how to um, eat people's stuff for free. Yeah, how to be... How to clear people out. How to have a feast and celebrate someone's life. How to create a, uh, a potion to stop people from crying. How to send eagles down to yeah. keep, hurt some people. Also, how to not read omens as well. How to not read omens, yeah. Uh, we also learned, uh, I guess, how to get a crew. Stuff like how that. to get a crew and a ship, yeah, that's true, that's true. We learned how to tell stories. We learned how to tell stories. We learned uh, how to hold information back to the last possible moment to create drama. <laughs> to create drama, yeah. It's clearly a six. Mm, yeah, six. Six. Okay. In the trout. In the trout. Detrouted. Morals. We learnt that you can help people out. Athena is going against the other gods to yes. help them out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and doing what's right. Doing what's right. Uh, we learnt that um, even when all looks bad, uh, have hope because, you know, your father could still be alive. Well, that's actually a big moral, to be fair, yeah. yeah. That's a big one, yeah. That's a big one. We learnt, uh, you know what, this is actually a myth which doesn't have too much murder. Uh, don't, oh, don't ever say you're welcome. Uh, don't. I've been quite impressed with how nice it was so far. Everyone's lovely. It does get weirder later on, yeah. but uh, but it's uh, don't obviously you're welcome. Don't um, don't be in, uh, don't be unhospitable. Uh, don't just don't be a bad egg. <laughs> uh, be uh, be courteous and uh, giving. Yeah, I guess uh, is there anything else in that myth? Uh, I guess uh, don't be impious. You know, like yeah, said, yeah. It, don't be a creepy suitor. Yeah, yeah. Let yeah. a woman grieve. Yeah. Let the woman grieve. Although it has been ten years, so these guys are like, "Whoa, why is she? Why is she still grieving?" But obviously, well, I suppose she's, he's been away ten, twenty years. Yeah, but yeah. I suppose they thought he's been dead for ten years. Yeah. Um, what are we thinking? Because there's not a lot of morals, but the ones we do have are really significant. So maybe a five or a six. Oh yeah, six again. I'm happy with six. Slightly above average. And it's actually genuine good morals as well here. Okay, creativity. In comparison for the rest of the rest of the thing, does get a bit more fantastical, particularly the next ones. So I think this is actually quite tame. Yeah, it's nice. I like it because it's setting the foundation stone. Of yes, where I was going to say it's quite creative. The I do house. like this whole going back and like seeing what's happening in present day uh-huh. Ithaca. I like that whole notion. It's not all about Odysseus. Yeah, and it's also seeing what's he left behind as well. Yeah. The reason why he wants to get home. Uh, and the fact that, you know, it's quite original that these guys are all in this, in the house just waiting, you know. It's not like, this is a, a very atypical myth, if you know what I mean. It's not, it's not like any others, if you know what I mean. And it's quite rational, if you know what I mean. Like, these guys are all, it's like 132 suitors just sat, uh, like, in the house to getting drunken on the wine and stuff like that. So I think that's, it's like a plague, they, 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 uh, you know what I mean. It's a, it's a different kind of terror, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it, they're not like evil monsters but they are monstrous humans you know what I mean yeah yeah I think that's deeply fascinating there's also gods as well here yes yeah yeah I'm going to say six or seven I was going to go six again to be honest yeah, yeah, yeah. 
This is nice. This is be six all the way through, isn't it? Actually, maybe not WTF. It's not that messed up. Yes. Yeah, so that's well, the, it might be messed up actually because you've got the suitors. That's pretty messed up. Yeah, I think that's the main thing. The fact that she they don't let her grieve and they blame her. I said yeah, either evict her or marry one. Of and them. she's been kept in her own room. She's forced to break artwork just to like avoid marrying a guy. That's quite a scary time for Penelope. Yeah, uh, and. Yeah, it's a lot on Telemachus' shoulders as well. Yeah. I don't think it's too WTF. No, it's not at all. There's nothing too crazy. Honestly, it's like a three. Uh, maybe a two, to be honest. Two? Uh, I could even go for a two, to be honest. It's really not messed up at all, yeah. is it? Is it? The only thing is the suitors, really. But Three? Two, two. Two, okay. So. So that's 20. Six. Add six. Add six. <sighs> add 20. two. 20. 20. You're such an arsehole. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, but then again, I think... Setting us up for the rest. For what I thought was quite a boring myth, because uh, I, I remember hating these ones, because like, it's like, why are we even learning this? But like, the text is much worse. But I think the summary... is actually... A lot happens in terms yes. of... Yes, like, yeah, yeah. But from henceforth, it does get a bit more... Ooh. Tasty. Tasty. Juicy. Well, Matt, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me back to episode... <laughs> Yeah, you are a recurring guest character, uh, apart from episode 39. Darren's actually a character I created, it's not even a... Yeah, (laughs) what's your real name? Um, Jonathan Story. Jonathan Story. We were watching a documentary last night, and the names on that documentary sound so Yeah, if anyone's seen The Innocent Man, one of the guys is called Rusty Featherstone, uh, he's a policeman. It was like a Titus uh, Obanaki or something like that. Yeah, and Odell Titsworth. Uh, Odell Titsworth, that was it. (laughs) God, like it's just like because John Grimshaw is the executive producer and he wrote the actual book on it, uh, as in like it's it's his only non-fiction book. And he was like, "Well, you know, if I wrote this as a fiction, people wouldn't believe it." And the names are genuinely just yeah. like perfect. Yeah. Uh, Matt, what can people do if they liked this episode? Uh, you could uh, go into the street and go, "Look at this podcast I'm listening to. Listen to Miss Podcast. You can with M I F F S, not M Y F S. Yeah, or you go and give us five stars, or you can email us at. Uh, or no, go to, you can tweet or Facebook us at Miss Podcast, or you can email us misspodcast at gmail dot com. If you find a lookalike, for example, yes. Uh, or like, what other examples? Uh, let's say you're you're listening to the podcast, you want to get in touch. Uh, what what? Why would you? Uh, what other reasons why you might get in touch? You can t- tell us. Uh, like myths you want to hear about? Myths you want to hear about? Times you listen to myths? Yeah, where's the weirdest place you've listened to where's myths? Where's the weirdest place you listen to uh, myths? Some uh, like uh, stuff you want to hear from in the future, and from like Norse mythology and uh, Egyptian and whatever. Uh, and uh, yeah, and oh, it's just stuff like uh, uh, and how much you like the podcast as well. And uh, yeah, because it's it, we love reading out your email. So why don't you get in touch? It'd be good to hear from you. It would be. And if you're an imposter. Um, would you like to come on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be funny if you get the Belgian person on and be like, oh, I might, yeah, and 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 Dan Roach 2.0. He's actually the other character, yeah. He's the other character of me, yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, yeah, gentle reminder, as always, feel free to donate to our Patreon page. That's always very appreciated. And you can listen to some bonus content there. For example, uh, we're going to be putting up, um, <laughs> we took a video of the Weetabix Challenge, so if you want to watch, uh, watch Dan do the Weetabix Challenge, which I don't recommend you do, Joe, unless it's genuinely <laughs> harrowing. <laughs> pretty, pretty rank. Do you remember us filming it? I do. Oh, I do you actually, haven't yeah. seen the video. Have I you? haven't seen the video. Though. I don't nah, really want to. No. It's it's free. It's really long. It's just me sitting in a bedroom eating wheat bits. Because I had to cut a lot from that episode. Because a lot of the bits in between, are like, oh, I need more milk. <laughs> it's really gross. <laughs> and if you, I have such a perturbed look to my face, but if you do want to watch that video, you get to see what Dan's room looks like.
That's true, actually. Yeah. You do, yeah. That's I don't, know, I don't know why yeah, you would yeah. want to do that. But. Uh, but yeah. uh, so donate from our Patreon page. We can find on our uh, episode details it, or just search on Patreon for Miss Podcasts. Or if you want to give us a one-off uh, donation of whatever you want, uh, it'd give us a, something on Kofi. Uh, how much like, would you recommend uh, for like 53 episodes so far? How many would you recommend? Uh, what would be a suitable donation, Dan? Pound? If uh, everyone listening to this game was a pound, yeah, that's nice. We'd have ten pounds. We'd have fifty-seven <laughs> pence. That's how few people listen. <laughs> that was so stupid. <laughs> anyway, guys, I'm over and out. Thanks for listening to the start. Or it's sure to be a very beautiful month of the Odyssey. Uh, we love you, and we'll sing to you at the end. Uh, Sleigh bells ring. Are you listening? <laughs> I know we recorded the Christmas special for 2019. Y- yesterday. Uh, yesterday. <laughs> but this is technically going to be February 2019. So. Okay. So should we do like a Valentine's song? <gasps> this is a Valentine's Day episode. Should we kiss? You know what? I haven't even thought about that. Yeah. Oh, maybe we should like make out again for the podcast. If you are listening to this during Valentine's Day, get a fucking life. <laughs> love Wait, you. You can't finish on that. Dan. I can't finish on that. Well, we love you. You don't need to make out with any. Just have a lovely day, okay? Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. You fucking losers. <laughs> miss, miss. So, um, because he's a minstrel, does he wear blackface the whole time? Nope, 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 oh, okay. nope, nope, not including it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>